So if, you, if I were to ask you, in the Bible, after you become a Christian, what's the primary requirement that God would have for you? What, what do you think it is? I, I'm actually looking for an answer. What do you think it is? Love. Right. Good answer. All right, why don't you just tell somebody you love them right now, wherever you are. Go, if you have to get up and go somewhere, get up. Go tell somebody you love them. Isn't that good? That's right, and it's appropriate. You know, I don't think we actually do that enough. Tell people, I love you. Husbands, it says love your wife, and that not just in treating them nicely, which you should do, but also telling them. I often, when in marriage seminars I do, I tell husbands, tell your wife you love her as often as you eat. When you feed your body, feed her. So, tell them again. Good job. Now, think about someone that's not quite as easy to love as the person you just said. Just get a picture of someone, maybe, probably not in your family, but maybe a coworker or just someone that's not quite as easy. Get, get a picture of them in your mind. Now, in your mind, in your heart, tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. How's that feel? Is that good? Is that right? Is that appropriate? Absolutely. Now, we're going to the next step. We're going to the scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 43, it says this. Love your enemy. You know, I'm preaching to me today probably more than you. I haven't always done this well. We know it in our heads. We would quote it so easily. Would he enunciate actually, yes, love our enemy. That's what, what we should do. But I want to challenge us today that we, the body of Christ, step up in this hour and demonstrate to a world that needs to see the body of Christ in action by loving each other. Let's look at the, what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> you heard me say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Message translation says you're familiar with the old written, love your friends and and hate your enemy, I'm going to challenge that, the Message Bible says. Let them bring out the best in you and not the worst. Now, I have to admit that sometimes my enemy brings out the best in me. I mean, excuse me, the worst in me. Because I, I feel, you know, they're wrong. See, and we think we confuse 
We have to agree some with someone to love them. That's just not biblical. It says love your enemy. It isn't to love those who, who you agree with or love, the, love those that, that you can easily connect to. It says love, even if they're your enemy. And now that is a challenge. Now, this command, this is right in the middle of the most famous sermon in history called the Sermon on the Mount. And I want us to remind ourselves what Israel was facing when Jesus gave this command, love your enemy. They were being controlled and dominated by the Roman Empire. They had an outside force, had no concern about the children of Israel or the nation of Israel, none whatsoever, just the extending of their own kingdom, the Roman kingdom, the Roman Empire. And then in their local land, the Jewish people, they were against Jesus and his disciples and all that he was saying, they were trying to and threatening to kill him. This was not in a time of ease. This was a situation that's worse than what we have. We're not controlled by an outside uh, country. And our government has a few problems. And everybody should say, amen, brother. But they had it worse than we did. And yet in that place, Jesus said to his uh, the group that was listening to him in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Turn a bad situation into something good. Our most effective weapons that we have as believers are two. Number one, prayer, and number two, love. The enemy has no attack against those. Now, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, it says, give and you shall receive. Now, we have often thought of that in regards to money. Now, it is money, but the word give there is the Greek word deutomy. And that word is much broader scope than anything financial. It says give whatever you got. Time, energy, support, care, concern, communication, a hug, give. And if you give, but you have to do your part first. It says give, and then it's sequential. Then you will receive. And how do we receive? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be poured into your lap for those who give. Give what you have. Give love. Give encouragement. Give support. And you know, in 2 Corinthians, it says that we're going to receive back in direct proportion that we give away. And if you are stingy, you're going to get stingy back. If you're generous, you're going to get generous back. And that's money, yes, but it's also other things like encouragement, support. And today we're talking about love. Give 
love. Now, this is definitely a challenge for me because people are wrong. I have to admit that I just shudder of, I don't know, ache. I'm not sure even how to describe my heart and my feelings. When I think about 60 million babies being murdered in the United States alone since 1973, because of the hideous decision to legalize abortion. It's wrong. I would not want to be those people and stand before God someday. But I'm commanded to love them. And if we, the body of Christ, would step up our plan, our choices, our actions, and we would be the people that would love. See, I think... We are often reactionary. We react to what people have done and we respond back to them rather than us being the trend setters to set the standard. We should be the standard setters, not the political system. Now, what we've gone through in the last year, it's hard. From pandemics, to riots, to fires, to election, an election that was the very least corrupt, to, I don't know anybody that's happy with the election on, on, both, on both sides of the fence. And then riots again in D.C., it's a mess. Anybody want to say amen? It's a mess. But see, if we, the church, would r rise our game and we would step up and we would set the standard of loving, I think we can change the world. But we're reacting. You know, so many of the policies of, of like security to travel is a reaction to something. You know, you can't carry water through security now. You may know why. One person one time in a water bottle had some fluid that could potentially be, be lit and cause an explosion. One person once. One person once, and we reacted to that, and now you can't even have water through security. It's, it's a reactionary. It's not setting the standard. It's reacting to the negative with another negative. Our challenge is to love. In James chapter 2, one of my challenging and verses that I think would apply to every one of us in this day and age. This is James chapter 2, starting with verse 12. It says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's say that together. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
If in doubt, be merciful. If there's a, a way to look at it, the Bible says mercy wins, not judgment. And we can be loving to people that we believe are absolutely and categorically wrong and still be loving. And I believe that's the assignment of the Spirit of God today is we have been asked to be loving. So what is love? Well, let's look at what many people call the love chapter. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is what we know as the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul was addressing there is gifts without love. And, the, and he was correcting that. Then he said what love was. And then chapter 14, he said, okay, now this is how we can have gifts with love. But he said very clearly that love is more important than gifts. Love is more important. Okay, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna get in trouble here for some people, but I'm gonna say, make a strong statement. Love is more important than anointing. First Corinthians 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making every, everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but don't have love, I am nothing. Oh my goodness, those are strong words. See, I think we can be real hero worshipers. And we let people's gifts kind of, we look at that and we ignore other things because of their giftedness. I, I'm shocked today that professional athletes who are excellent athletes, there's no, I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, they're, they're just awesome. But somehow, because they're good at throwing a round ball and a round hole, that they think they now know the best persons of how to handle the pandemic. How, how does their gifting of a basketball player give them any ability to know anything beyond that? And I think we do the same thing in the church. We elevate giftedness, and because someone has giftings, we ignore character flaws, we ignore other things, and we don't look at it. But the Word of God says, here's my criteria. Do you love? I'm sad to say that I've been a part of way too many times when a Christian leader has fallen into areas of weakness or sin, and I've often been there trying to help and restore, etc. And as I've looked back on those situations, I can tell you, every time there were signs and warnings that we ignored. Because we elevate the gift. And I believe that today, God's calling us, the church, to rise up 
and we are known by our love. Remember the song that says, and they'll know we are Christians by our great giftedness, able to walk in prophecy? No. They'll know we love God, we're Christians by our love. Going on with the chapter, the love chapter, says, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the, to the stake to be burned as a martyr but don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Mm. Love cares more about others than for yourself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't me first. Can I just give a practical encouragement? Do something every day intentionally for someone else first that you'd rather have for you. As an example, I make the coffee in our house and we use the pour over system and so I get two cups, and I eat the water and I always do Donna's first. I intentionally, and it's just, there's just something that I think is a good principle. I do that to prefer someone else over me. Find your own. Find your own little thing that you do for someone else, in your family, outside of your family. Prefer someone else over you. Let's continue on with 1 Corinthians 13. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of Nancy Pelosi's record. Oh, no, uh, of wrongs. My friends, I so disagree with so many. I, I have to admit, I'm not looking forward to the next four years. That's my personal opinion. Even the things they've already implemented. Ah! But I believe our power is not in expressing how I think they're wrong or how my ideas would be better. But our power, my friends, according to the word of God, is to walk in Love. Can someone say, Amen. that's right. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the truth. Puts up with anything. How many things? What does that leave out? Puts up with elections you don't like. And whatever your, your, your perspective is, how it was wrong or what happened in the riots. There's so many different ideas and I, that's not important. But our responsibility is to respond as God has asked us to, the body of Christ, to be loving. Trust God, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going till the end. Love never dies. 
Inspired speech will come to an end. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. But known only a portion of the truth, what we say about God is always incomplete. But when, <clears throat> but when the complete arrives, our incomplete will be canceled. When I was a child or an infant, in my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed. I don't remember that. I don't know if anybody... <clears throat> But when I grew up, I left those ways. Let's skip down. For right now, we see in part, there's three things. Faith, hope, and love. But the best is, come on, what is it? The best is, that's God's requirement of us. Now, what if? What if we would actually walk this out? What if you would be a loving driver? That's a big one for me. I drive for Uber. I'm on the road probably more than you, or at least as much as you. Oh, there's some drivers. That's what they call themselves, at least. I really like my horn to honk about 10 times louder once in a while. And just the decibels of the vibration to blow their car off the road. Anybody relate? But what if, what if we would start living this, not just hearing a sermon about it? What if, I'm preaching to me. What if we'd be a loving driver? What if we would be a loving person standing in line that's taking forever? <sighs> Anybody relate? Anybody ever count items in the express line with the person in front of you? They got 14, it says nine or less. What if we'd be loving? What if we would choose to actually walk out and not just tell what's wrong with the system, but how love can correct? What if you'd be a loving Facebooker? I never heard that word before, but it sounds kind of like Facebooker. Can, can Facebooker be a verb? Huh? A loving neighbor, a loving communicator, loving employee or employer. What if? What if we'd actually do this? Would it change anything? Will love, does love actually work? <clears throat> I want to say again that we should be ones that are setting the standard. In Joshua chapter one, verse three, it says, every place your footsteps, I've given it to you. Now he's not talking about the non-Christian. He's talking about you and I that love God. We have authority if we walk in the requirements of God. I'm suggesting today that is love. 
Some of you have heard me use this illustration before, but I think it bears repeating today. I was on an airplane flying. I guess that's what you do on airplanes, right? That was a joke. You can <laughs> laugh now. <clears throat> Too late. And, and I was just sitting there minding my own business and just flying along. I was flying home. And just out of the clear blue, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I want you to change the atmosphere with your attitude rather than letting the atmosphere change your attitude. I thought, hmm, is that possible? Huh. Okay. That was it. I landed in Seattle. Hadn't eaten that day, so I was, I was looking for something to eat. I don't know how many of you go to airports much, but sometimes you're looking for something to eat in an airport. It's the least worst. There's not what's the best, but what's the least worst. <clears throat> so I was looking for the least worst, and I came up to this booth, and I walked up, and this girl comes up to me to wait on me, and she says, help you. It just irritated me. I wanted to say, hey, chickadee, if I'm not here, you don't have a job. I mean, it, isn't gonna, it doesn't cost me anything just to be nice. And I was irritated. I, I, I'm being honest. And the Lord spoke to me again, change the atmosphere. I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. Anybody connecting, you don't want to and don't feel like it. So, okay, so I kind of swallowed. And I said, well, you sure can. You know, I'm so grateful that you're here today. I really appreciate your willingness to help. You know, I'm probably like one of many people. I haven't even eaten today, and, and you're here to help. I just, I'm very grateful that you're here to, to take care of my food needs. She goes, uh, 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 well, well, thank you. No one's ever said that before. Well, I'm sorry that we haven't. I'm really appreciative that you're here. What would you suggest that I eat? And she just came alive. She changed from, help you, to like, oh, oh, you know, you could do this, and if I toast it here, and I put this, and I put that, and she's supposed to charge me extra for all those? Oh, I'm not going to charge you. And, and she just started, and then she started telling other people in the booth what I had just said, and the whole booth started to buzz. I was there three minutes. I walked away, and the whole place had changed. It works! Will you do it? Will you accept the challenge today of being godly in how we respond? I mean, I... I have to admit to you, I don't, I'm not sure the world's going to get better. I think it's going to actually get worse. So our response is, how are we going to respond to it? Are we going to continue to just point out how they're wrong? They are wrong. But our responsibility, according to the word of God, is to be loving. Would you just close your eyes for a few moments, I would like to suggest that you and God 
have a conversation about some things that he's just kind of putting on your heart. What, what are some areas that you need to adjust? What, what are some of the things that you're just kind of feeling a little conscious of the spirit of how I should be different? What is it that God's asking? Just, just you and God talk for a moment. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Lord, would you just help us not to hear and without action? Lord, would you give us your grace today to step into a new level of walking out 1 Corinthians 13, that people can see we love God by how we love others, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have a great week. Be blessed in all you do. And remember to walk out this word during the inauguration, no matter what you feel about it. No matter what you're not excited about, walk in love. Amen? Bless you.